So today's the, the first Sunday of Advent, as I mentioned, and in the past, we've done peace, hope, love, joy, and the Christ candle um, at of those Sundays as we led uh, to Christmas Day. And this year, we're going to use uh, some different words. Uh, today is prophecy. Next Sunday will be the word Bethlehem. And you will see around the lighting of the Advent wreath those readings that correspond with that. And so I want you to keep that word prophecy in mind. You have had times of anticipation, I'm sure, uh, in your life. Uh, maybe you were expecting uh, your first child and you wondered what that next step was going to be or a new job or maybe uh, the anticipation of the loss of a job or retirement or arrival of parents or grandparents for a holiday season that we are in the midst of and all of those things often, more often than not, you plan. You, you plan for these things, and you begin to get excited about them, and unless something foreseen happens, it takes place. And you long for it. In fact, you know, you often think, this is going to be fantastic, this is going to be great, even this is going to be so glorious, I can't hardly wait for this to happen. Well, today, being the first Sunday of Advent, Advent meaning arrival or coming, um, is a combination of two events. And, and you know this, you've heard me preach it, you've heard others talk about it or preach it in churches that you've been a part of, and that is... Uh, we celebrate the first coming of Jesus Christ, his birth, and that's part of what Advent is. The other side of that is the anticipation of his second coming, that he is going to arrive, that he is going to come again. And that future we anticipate, we look forward to, it's, it's going to be a great day whether it's in us individually meeting him face-to-face -face, or whether we are alive and well uh, as he comes back to claim all of his elect, his people. And so that day can't be separated with the first coming. His second coming and first coming is always linked together. Yes, that anticipation of immortality and no more sin is something that we look forward to. It's going to be a glorious day for all who have come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You've heard me say, and it's probably one of those verses that Terry will have read at my funeral. Uh, I told her I'm going before her. She can't go before me. So, John 14, in my house, in my father's house, are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come for you so that where I am, there you may be also. My goodness, what a great verse. I mean, those two verses of 
the second and third verse of John 14. And then, if that's not enough, if you can't believe that Jesus has said that there, then you go to verse 28 and it says, and you heard me say, I'm going away, but know that I'm coming for you. The certainty of Jesus, that certainty that he is going to come. Paul writes it, writes it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, a couple of verses there. Behold, and I will tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of the eye, the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and they will be changed for the imperishable. The perishable will put on imperishable, and the mortal will put on immortality. This is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, knowing that he will fulfill all things that have been prophesied about him. And so, yes, to, today we are celebrating Advent, and we will celebrate that coming of Jesus, his return. But today I want us to focus on the prophecy of his first coming, the prophecy that he, the Messiah, would be born in Bethlehem. That he, the Messiah, would come as God the Father said it would be. I want us to look this morning at the, the prophecies of this first coming and look at the Old Testament, but also look at the New Testament in the fulfillment of those prophecies. And... If the fulfillment wasn't there, it would just be an announcement. It would be, here it is. But when there's a prophecy, there has to be a fulfillment. And God is good all the time, and he will fulfill all the prophecies. He has in some and will in others. So as we look at the history from the Old Testament perspective this morning, I'm going to give you eight prophecies. There's over 300 prophecies about Jesus in the, in the Old Testament. But we're going to look at eight prophecies this morning. And um, some of them maybe you know about. Some of them maybe is not, they may not be as familiar to you as we uh, look at them. And as I said, I'm going to go from the Old Testament to the New Testament this morning. Uh, there's a lot of scriptures uh, that I will be reading. I've given you the uh, addresses on the back of your bulletin just so that you will have them if you so desire to look at them later. And so um, I wanted to use Isaiah 7 this morning, verses 10 through 14, as our main prophecy and then we will look at it in the mix of these other eight. But if you have your word and you would like to open that, uh, it'll also be on the screen if you, you don't have it with you uh, and you can follow along. So this is Isaiah 7, beginning with verse 10 and reading through verse 14. Then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God, Make it as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Then he said, 
Listen now, O house of David. Is it too slight a thing that for you to try the patience of men, that you will try the patience of my God as well? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, for you are our strength and our redeemer. I pray, Father, that you would illuminate our hearts and minds this morning for all that you would hold for us in this your holy word. We pray this in your name. Amen. The prophets of old foretold the coming of Christ to pinpoint precision. Pinpoint precision. The birth of Jesus is rooted back, and you know the verse, all the way back to the beginning. And we go back to Genesis 3.15. And in Genesis 3.15, we get a hint from God of the gospel message that is going to be portrayed throughout the Old and New Testament about his son Jesus. God is speaking to Satan and to Adam and Eve after they fell into sin. And here's what he said. I will put into me between you and woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The rest of the Bible is, is the battle between Satan and the offspring of Eve. And it culminates in the victory of Jesus, who crushes the head of Satan, and he, in his death and his resurrection, gives life to us because he became the propitiation, the sacrifice for our sin. So from that moment forward, the entire Old Testament prepares for, points for us, this great moment in Jesus Christ where we are saved from the curse of sin. Those who come to faith in Jesus Christ are saved through Christ, only through Christ. There is no other way. The Old Testament, as I said, literally has hundreds of prophecies about the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, this second coming that is yet to come about Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. And while we wait in anticipation for his second coming, God's perfect timing, his pinpoint timing, helps us to understand as we look at the prophecies of his birth that if these are true, and they are, and if they have been answered and fulfilled, then why would not the second coming also be fulfilled in all things, in all ways, as God has spoken? 
So let's look at these prophecies. The one we looked at to start with is from Genesis 3. The second, these prophecies of the birth of Jesus. Jesus is the offspring of Adam. Listen to Genesis 12, verses 3 and verse 7. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Your offspring I will give this land. Now look at Galatians 3.16. Now the promise was made to Abraham and to his offspring. It doesn't say offsprings as in many, but offspring, who is the Christ. How do we know this? We know this because of Matthew 1.1. Listen to what Matthew says. The record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And so the prophecy is that Jesus will come from the lineage of Abraham, and that prophecy, Matthew tells us, is fulfilled in Jesus, the Messiah. Prophecy fulfillment. Next, Jesus comes from the tribe of Judah, and many of you remember this. In Genesis 49.10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him and to him shall be the obedience of all people. The scepter is the the privilege of a ruler to carry a king. The staff being the symbol of a shepherd, a shepherd who guides and leads, who protects and cares for and according to Matthew 1.3, the genealogy of Jesus is traced through what tribe? Judah. Through Judah. But the verse I love that would be the proof text for Genesis 49 comes from the last book of the Bible. From Revelation chapter 5, verse 5. Weep no more. Behold, the Lamb of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered, so that he, capital H, he, God, he, Jesus, can open the scrolls in the seven seals. Jesus comes from the tribe of Judah. The prophecy that was told of old in the Old Testament is fulfilled in Jesus, the Christ prophecy fulfillment and ultimately when we look at revelation 5 we see that there is a fulfillment to come jesus the christ next jesus will rule on the throne of david forever second samuel 7:16 says and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me Your throne shall be established forever. This 
prophetic prediction does not refer to David's son Solomon because his kingdom was not forever. In fact, his kingdom at the end of his life was split into two kingdoms, permanently divided. And Jesus, we're told, comes from this line of David, but his kingdom is eternal. What New Testament passage helps us to see the fulfillment of this forever kingdom in Jesus Christ from the throne of David? Luke 1, 31 through 33, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the sons of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob. How long? Forever. Forever. And then, Luke says, and of his kingdom, there will be no end. The prophecy of this forever kingdom from the line of David, this throne of David that will be forever, will be Jesus, the Messiah, prophecy and fulfillment. Next, the kings will bring tribute to him, Psalm 72, verse 11, 10 and 11. Many the kings of Tarshish and the coastlands render him tribute. And again, him being capitalized, meaning God, Jesus. Many of the kings of Sheba and Seba will bring gifts. May all the kings fall and bow to him. All nations will serve him. Now, we are not certain about the three wise men actually being kings, but we do know that they represented many nations, many nations who would, they would come and represent and, and fall and, and worship King Jesus. In Matthew 2.11, this is referring to the, the three wise men. And they going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And so with pinpoint precision, the prophets of, of old, the Psalms in this case, prophesy that there will be kings that will come. There will be those from all nations that will be represented that will come and kneel and worship the Lord. But what about the other New Testament prophecy that helps us to understand this particular one? Kings will bring tribute to him. Those peoples of all nations will fall and you only have to turn to Philippians 2, 9 through 11. For this reason, God highly exalted him, him being Jesus, and bestowed on him the name above all names, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, those in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
to the glory of God the Father. The prophecy that everyone will bow and everyone will worship this King Jesus is a prophecy that was and is and will be fulfilled. What about the virgin birth? The virgin will come, will give birth to Emmanuel. And this comes into play in our text today in Isaiah 7, a, a, a passage that was written 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And Isaiah, as he's prophesying, says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. I want you to notice that it says, Isaiah says, the Lord himself, the Lord himself will do this. And as I was reading that this week, it sent me back to Genesis 22. And you know the story of Abraham and Isaac and in verse 8, Isaac has been asked prior to that verse, well, where's the sacrifice, Abram? Where, where's the sacrifice? And this is his response. God will provide for himself the sacrifice, the lamb, who was Jesus. And so we know Emmanuel means that the strong God is with us. God is present with us. And we have this prophecy that there will be a son that will be born of a virgin. And then we jump forward to the New Testament and we have Matthew giving us this word in verse 22 and 3. And he says, all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Which prophet? Isaiah Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is an interesting prophecy that takes place at a perfect time, God's perfect timing. If you know about Ahaz and you know about what is going on in Judah at the time, and so the two kingdoms, you know, have been divided. Israel, Ephraim, the northern kingdom. You've got Judah, the southern kingdom, and Isaiah, a prophet to both of them. And in Isaiah 7, the Lord sends Isaiah to the kingdom of Judah, to Ahaz, the king of the southern kingdom. And Ahaz is not a good guy. He's just not. Um, read 2 Kings 16 and get an idea of who this dude is. He ordered the priest in the temple to build these uh, um, things that they could put uh, false prophets on and, and kneel to false prophets and pray to false prophets. <coughs> and so Ahaz was just not a, a good guy. It, it appears here that maybe he is being pious in his response because the prophet says, ask for a son. <clears throat> and Ahaz says, mm, I'm not going to ask for a son. I'm not going to put the Lord to the test. So he sounds 
super honest, super engaged, you know, that, that he is thinking about, okay, I'm just not going to do that. I'm not going to test the Lord. But in essence, his response is not pious or piety. It's actually arrogance. I've got a better way. Israel and Syria are planning to invade. I've got a plan to protect Judah. I'm not going to ask God for a sign. I've got this already figured out. And God says, hold on, dude. I'm going to give you a sign anyway. In fact, this sign's just not for you. This sign is for everyone in both kingdoms and moving forward. God could have said, and he didn't, so I'm not adjusting scripture, but God could have said, look, dude, there's going to be people on the 3rd of December in 2023 that are are in a little building on Green Road in Raleigh, North Carolina, in North America, and, and they're going to be reading this sign and talking about this prophecy. Dude, this is for everyone to hear. Therefore, the Lord himself, the Lord God himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgins shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Prophecy. Fulfillment. God is so good. Another prophecy Mothers will weep for their children. Written some 600 years before Christ was born, Jeremiah is prophesying, and in the 31st chapter, verse 15, he says this, Thus saith the Lord God, A voice is heard in Ramah, lamentations and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted. For her children because they are no more. This was a time of exceeding anguish and widespread weeping, especially for the mothers, the children. Rama is located about five miles north of Jerusalem. Historically, it is a place where the Jews were taken. They were held before they were carried to exile into Babylon. It is also known as tradition has it that Rachel, the mother of all nations, died there giving birth to Benjamin. She was buried in Bethlehem. And the imagery that the Jews have is that Rachel's tears were spread there near Bethlehem that figuratively the spreading on the soul of the mothers weeping and crying inconsolably. And so we have this prophecy from Jeremiah and we can imagine in our mind and we can see the tears of a broken brokenness of a mom and we read Matthew 2. Verses 16 and 17. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in that region 
who were two years old and under, according to the time that had been asserted him from the wise men. And then listen to what Matthew says. This was fulfilled what the this fulfilled what the prophet, what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. So Matthew holds no bars here. Look, Jeremiah spoke this into prophecy, and here Herod has brought about this prophecy being fulfilled by the killing of the children and the weeping of the mothers. Are you aware of the likeness of Rachel today? For the children of today? If you lean in, you could possibly hear the loud lamentations of over 64 million babies that have been aborted since 1973. And that's a 2020 statistic, not even a 2023. And that is only in America. The tears. Finally, the last one that I want to share, and we're going to look at this next week because you remember the word I said we were going to look at next week is Bethlehem. And so Jesus' place of birth, Bethlehem, Bethlehem, Micah 2.5. But you, O Bethlehem, uh, Ephaphra, this who uh, you're too little among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth, from me, one, who will be the ruler of Israel, who coming forth is from old, from the ancient of days. You need to know what the ancient of days means here, because what Micah is reminding us, this prophet is reminding us, is that from old means eternity of God. It means the ancient of days means from the days of eternity. This means that this one that will be born in Bethlehem, the one from the virgin, this Emmanuel, God with us, who will come, is the one that was before time. The ancient of days, Jesus, was before time. When we think of the Trinity and the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all was present together before creation. And so we have this wonderful prophecy that Bethlehem will be the place. Bethlehem will be the place. Isn't it Interesting that God will use a pagan ruler such as Herod to declare a census that those will have to come back to their, their family's birthplace. This ruler 1,500 so miles away from Israel makes this proclamation. And Joseph has to travel to the city of David to be registered in Bethlehem, his birthplace. Now, 
Mary could have stayed. She did not have to go with Joseph. But she did. And the scripture tells us in Luke 2, And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with his wife Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Then you jump to John's gospel, and we've been using Matthew and Luke and some of the writings of Paul to see the fulfillment of these prophecies. But what about the Apostle John, chapter 7, verse 42? He says, Has not the Scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was prophecy, fulfillment, absolute, pinpoint precision. Maybe you have heard, as I said, some of these, maybe you're in awe of, as I am, with how God fulfills the prophecies from the Old Testament. I hope that if nothing else, these prophecies that you hear and see answered by Jesus, by Scripture, by God's Word, gives you confidence of the truthfulness of the Bible. The confidence that Jesus not only came, but will come again. These prophecies of old fulfilled. You've heard me mention the statistics of prophecies in the Old and New Testament being fulfilled. Many years ago, Peter Stoner, a professor of mathematics, did a a study and he said, if only eight, and I told you I was just going to lift up eight, if only eight prophecies were fulfilled, here's the way the probability would be. It would be a 1 in 10 to the 17th power, which is 1 in 100th quadrillion possibilities. That's pretty big. But let me give you a better, um, a, a better illustration that can kind of get your mind around this, of the probabilities. Lee Strobel, who wrote many books, but Case for Christ. In Case for Christ, Lee says... Think of it this way. If only eight, if only eight prophecies were fulfilled out of the 300 plus that are in the Old Testament about Jesus, it would be like all seven continents, all the land masses in the entire world covered with a tile one and a half inches wide and one and a half inches tall, 
every single mountain, every single landmass, every single dirt piece was covered with an inch and a half tile around the world, and only one of them was covered in red underneath. And you sent someone out and said, you can go anywhere in the entire world, but you can only pick up one tile. What's the probability that they're going to pick up the tile that has red underneath? That's the probability of just eight prophecies fulfilled. And there's over 300 and many of them are already fulfilled and all of them will be. If you don't believe me, let's just believe Jesus because I think you would believe Jesus. Luke, 24th chapter, 44th verse, and here's what Jesus says. As Jesus is walking with two disciples, they're walking home on Easter, that first Easter morning, that first Easter day, as they're heading back from Jerusalem to a town called Emmaus. And here's what Luke tells us in verse 44. These are my words that I spoke to you while, while I was still with you, that everything written about me, this is Jesus talking, in the law of Moses, the first five chapters of the Bible, in the prophets, minor, major prophets, it does, the prophets, and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. That's the Old Testament prophecies that Jesus are, is telling these two on the, the road. Look, dude, these are about me, and they're going to be, and in many cases have been fulfilled. We're in the midst of the Advent season starting today, and as we move forward and celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, as we think about and anticipate his second coming, as we wait and we think about what is to come for us when we cross over from life to death to life and that life being eternal, God's desire for us is to share his story, to, to share what God has done through Jesus Christ for us. And you have it in his word. We know the story. And so again, this is prime time. This is prime opportunity Christmas is coming, and even the non-believers know what Christmas is about and that we celebrate the birth of Christ. And what better way to, to say, look, let me tell you about this Christ who was told about not just 2,000 years ago, but at creation and 2,700 years ago and 2,600 years ago and 2,300 years ago. and Let me tell you about the Christ I serve. 
the opportunities here for us this Christmas season, this Advent season, to tell about Jesus. And I pray that we will. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the prophecies. Thank you for the certainty of fulfillment. And yes, we are waiting and looking forward to that forever day. Until then, Father, may we continue to share the story of Jesus, the one born in a manger in Bethlehem, the one who came to save the world from sin. Your Son, Jesus, our Savior, the Messiah. Thank you, Father. May we tell that story again and again and again. In Jesus' name.